0: K. Takwaye now presents A Sky Beyond the Storm of the Ember and the Ashes series by Sabah Tahir.
1: talk YA. I'm Marissa Snyder. And I'm Katie Bradford. And this is our Young Adult Fiction Podcast. And this week we finished our first series of this year. We read the last book in the An Ember in the Ashes series by Sabbath Tahir, And this last book was called A Sky Beyond the Storm.
0: And this was a a quadrology. So we, I don't, have we ever done more than four books in a series? No. So it's like the longest type of series we've done. Also, all of these books were so big and it was such a like epic tale that I'm exhausted after reading
1: all of these. I feel the same way. I feel a little wrung out. (laughs) And I don't, I wouldn't say I read a ton of long epic fantasies Mm -hmm. and for a reason, like they're an undertaking. It takes a lot out of you to get, to like get enmeshed in the world, keep up with all the characters read all the books. But usually after I finish a series like this, I feel really satisfied because there's something just like incredibly fulfilling about like finishing a huge volume of books.
0: (laughs) Yep. Do you feel that way this time?
1: Um, (laughs) (laughs) I feel, I don't feel incredibly satisfied. I will say that. And I think the reason is just overall impressions of the series there were too many characters that didn't resonate with me or didn't have enough time on the page. Or, you know, I, I feel like I feel like the characters we did get to see a lot of, like Helena and Leia and Elias, I felt really good about. Like, I felt like they had really strong motives. I, I cared about them. I cared about them deeply. Mm-hmm. But there were so many superfluous characters that i didn't spend time with and i didn't end up caring about and it kind of made me sad so like even when i don't even remember his name one of the one of the soldiers who dies to save helena not harper ferrick was it Ferris? yeah
0: ferris yep
1: exactly like i didn't know him from dex or from i didn't really care about him because we didn't see him a lot and so I feel like because of that those moments where like a character dies to save another character like that should be a huge moment like I should be so upset about that and I was just like okay bye Mm -hmm. which didn't feel good so I feel like there were a little too many characters and we didn't get to see enough of them um to really make me care about those those moments
0: Even like some of the deaths that still kind of hit me, like even Harper and Darren, I felt a little bit like I knew them a little bit or I knew how much they mattered to the, you know, respective main character that we were witnessing the death through, whether it was Helena or Leia or whatever. But I had so many questions about who they were and what they were thinking and and whatnot that I wanted to see more. And this is my number one complaint, question I wish had been answered biggest problem with the book and this is not that important but it's bugging me a lot so I have to tell you about it okay Darren and his mother never had a moment where they addressed her abandonment or like yeah I don't know we saw Leia dealing with all these complicated feelings with her mom and what happened and we're almost in maybe it's the last book I forget but in one of the books at least it's kind of implied that Darren maybe knew more or like had some of the other layers of the mom, but we never saw even Leia and Darren talking about it directly. Mm -hmm. And then even when Darren was dead and Cook slash uh, Mira slash his mother was the new soul catcher in training, she wasn't the one who helped. Like I just, I wanted them to have a moment or at least an indirect moment where we addressed the fact that she was his mom, too.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Like, he really didn't get to reconnect with her at all. And, and that's the other thing. Like, this entire time, Leia has been this special snowflake character. And I don't have a problem with special snowflakes, personally. I don't mind that trope. I love the chosen one trope. But I feel like she shouldn't have been elevated, like, to that status at the expense of her brother. Mm-hmm. You know, like, especially... For something like that, like their mother returns from the dead twice. I know, <laughs> and
0: she will never die. I actually, I did love that part though. I was like, "What? That is kind
1: of amazing." <laughs> I did like that, and and that's the thing. Like when when big moments happen with characters you care about, it's so it's such a good feeling. And so like we did get some of those, and even with Harper's death, like that did hit me hard. But with the other ones, and and there was such, um, I don't want to say wasted opportunity because I think the books were were long enough, but even like Grimmar, the warlock priest who does these weird blood rites... In the middle of battle. Like, that's such a cool concept. And I wanted to know more about him. I was like, who is this man? Like, why did he become a warlock priest? Like, (laughs) what are his motivations? That was so fascinating to me. And he was such a flat character. He was just like the bad guy who came around and caused problems for our main characters. Like, it just was disappointing to me in that regard.
0: Yeah, but I do feel like if we could, you know, grab a meal with Saba to hear or I I feel like she might or if she does more side stories or graphic novels or whatever else, like there's so much here. And I feel like she's so thoughtful about it. Like, even though I agree that there were especially these secondary characters that I wish I knew more about, like what they were thinking or what their motivation or backstory or whatever was, I feel like the way everything was layered and connected, like, I feel like it's in her head. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah she knows everything
0: I feel like she would be a fascinating person to like talk through it like I don't feel like it isn't thought through I just feel like it isn't communicated or something I don't know
1: yeah totally because I mean even just the way the story wraps around like some of the prophecies that we learned about in book one came to I fruition in book four which is like incredible planning like I feel like when she was writing this book she was the picture like the meme of Charlie from it's always sunny like crazily writing things on the board trying to figure it out because like <laughs> the planning that went into this is amazing it's incredible like that's undeniable
0: and there were so many things that shocked me or not shocked but i were unexpected to me like a lot of times i can start to predict things especially with prophecies or i don't know there were so many things though including cook coming back from the dead twice that were just like <laughs> layered in so well or they're part of it was also there was so much going on it was hard to keep up and keep track so I'd forget something until it was revealed and I was like oh yeah I forgot about that Mm -hmm. but it really did all I don't feel like there were plot holes like I sometimes do where I'm like you know like even Spiro came back and like I feel like everything was kind of touched on and either came back in like a really powerful meaningful way or at Mm -hmm. least was addressed
1: it was tight it was a it was definitely like there were no loose threads yeah Which I appreciate. I did appreciate that. I absolutely agree. Especially
0: with, this book did, like, every single, or the series, every single book in the series, like, built out the world and got, like, I was thinking after I finished this book about the very first book and how different it was from this last one. Mm. Like, we didn't have that same problem that we sometimes do in series where it gets, like, super repetitive. I mean, there were aspects of it that were in terms of, I think we've talked about, you know, like we were fighting some of the same people over and over again to some extent, but like the problems in book one were very different from the problems in book four. In my mind.
1: They were. I agree with you. Um, I still had... I still felt like there were a lot of things that were repetitive throughout the whole series. I feel like in every book, we were running from someone and fighting someone and narrowly escaping from someone. We were given information, but not all of it, and had to go on a quest for more information. I mean, the fact that we had, what, three or four characters who did the whole you go on I'm gonna stay fighting and I'm gonna sacrifice my life for you like that happened like three or four times in, throughout the series like mm-hmm. and there was a lot of like internal dialogue that was happening so yeah I think that's my other complaint was I feel like the same plot devices were used over and over and just reiterated in slightly different scenarios and that got a little boring to me. Yeah,
0: and I feel like if there's layers of plot, I agree there was like repetition in terms of like the actual or like the devices used to tell the plot, but mm-hmm. like the like at a higher level, the story kept getting bigger. Yes. I don't know. But, like, how they solved it was maybe similar in each book or, you know, Mm -hmm. over and over again. But something about, like, the way the world built on itself or the story built on itself. Like, we went from being primarily at this, like, school and maybe a little (laughs) bit in the bigger town to, like, talking about multiple empires universes? worth yeah <laughs> universes creature like i don't know and i didn't love. i i still have mixed feelings about the magic stuff especially i think in this last book because it sort of felt like leia kept like getting additional powers that were convenient a little bit yeah <laughs> But I did appreciate that the magic like kind of came in slowly over the course of the four books. Like we didn't have, mm-hmm. we saw a little bit of stuff in book one, I guess, but mm-hmm. I appreciated it a lot about it. This was like a super solid book in my mind. I like very much liked it, but it didn't have that indescribable thing that makes a book like super, super special. Super special. Everyone must read it. It didn't have that for me.
1: I agree. I could not sum it up better myself. It is a solid book. The world is fantastic. So much careful thought went into it but it's not one of those books that is going to leave me with like the feeling that I get in my chest when I read a book that sticks with me and honestly like and that's fair because I probably only have maybe a handful of books that have done that to me but let's talk about some of the different characters and, and their stories. Because we did that in yep. the last book, too, and I thought that was helpful. Perfect. Because there's a lot to, that we did like, too. <laughs> I feel like we just kind of dumped on, like, all of our critiques right off the bat.
0: <laughs> we always sort of do that. And it's, it is funny. Like, the more specific our critiques get, I think it actually means the more we liked. Because we're like, well, we liked all this stuff. But this one little thing. Or, you know, yeah. this,
1: this aspect. But,
0: yeah. Who do you want to start with?
1: Um, let's start with Leia.
0: Okay, so I don't even remember. Where does she begin in the beginning of this book specifically? She's best friends
1: with... So she and Helena are in Marin. Yeah. And they're trying to make an alliance with um, Princess Nikla.
0: I actually kind of feel like Leia changed a lot in this book for me. Her, and maybe it's just, it. maybe it's the, what I alluded to earlier with, I felt like her magical abilities ended up being sort of convenient because I feel like at the very beginning of the series, especially she was sort of this normal girl, didn't know how to fight, you know, didn't know a lot of things, but yeah, but just like had heart and hope and like, that's what got her through. And I sort of felt like, especially in this book, She had a lot... I don't know.
1: I feel like she grew a lot, actually. Like, I think I liked Leia more and more throughout this series. I mean, I did appreciate at the beginning that she was like, listen, I'm, I'm not a swords person. Like, I don't know how to fight. I think that's, like, refreshing. I did like how her confidence grew a lot in this book. Like, at the end, she was like... No, I'm the one who has to get the Nightbringer sickle. Like, I'm the only one who can kill him. I've defied him so many times. Like, she really came into herself and was, like, had faith in her abilities, and she earned them. And I, I liked seeing her, like, come to that realization. Yeah.
0: I think she had one of the bigger... Well, everyone... I mean, our three main all had a lot of character development, I guess, but... Yeah, she, she really feels like a very different character than the first book to me, in a good way.
1: Yeah. Well, the big revelation we got with Leia, though, um, in, like, in the first couple chapters, is when this force uh, erupts out of her, <laughs> screaming. And I was so confused at first. I was like, what is happening? But I ended up really liking the explanation of how she had her powers.
0: Yeah, the only question I had, though... Because they, um, what was her name, Rez-
1: Rezette? Remut. Remut.
0: And it ended up being the Nightbringer's queen. Mm-hmm. Although, again, kind of a slower reveal to get there. But we ultimately learned that when she died the first time, there was like magic done to bring her soul into the group of people and then like through their bloodline. So there were a lot of people in the world who could have stood up to the Nightbringer and called her forth over the last thousand years and I just I thought it was a little bit interesting that all of our like main characters including Taz mm-hmm. could have had the ability to do this and I thought it, I didn't really understand why she was the only one I guess the explanation was she was the only one who stood up directly to the Nightbringer
1: yeah yeah and, and remat was like part of remat lived in all of these people which you called out it was like the darkness within and that's mm-hmm. why everyone has all these special powers like helena and musa even and i just i really liked that explanation and i bought it that like leia woke it up because she confronted the Nightbringer. i mean it's like a little convenient but i bought it yeah <laughs>
0: You're not convinced. No, I. It, it's not that I didn't buy her power coming out. I think I, I think Taz is the one who really threw me off because it made sense that Elias and his half brother Harper had it. It made sense to me that Darren had it as her sibling.
1: Mm -hmm. you know, if it
0: follows bloodlines, it made sense that Helena and what's his name had it because they had magical powers we had seen too. But then they also like threw in that Taz could have been the one to call it forth. And we never saw him develop any magical powers or have any idea of his connection to anyone. It just maybe it was just to like, again, demonstrate how widely this, you know, bloodline had gone over a 1000 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was that, for some reason, that detail is the one that bothered me. Not it, not the fact that she had the power.
1: <laughs> just, I don't know. To be know. honest, I didn't even remember that Taz had it. <laughs> Wouldn't
0: that be funny if I'm just like making that up now and that's Maybe. not
1: true? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I doubt it. And let's see, what else did I really like about Leia? Um, I think, I mean, the whole kind of trajectory of Leia in this book was she wanted to get the Nightbringer sickle so that she could kill him. Mm-hmm. I really liked seeing her connect with redmat and kind of learn more about her story and the Nightbringer's story through her.
0: And I also like seeing her kind of find that balance between... Like, you've seen the impact of all these betrayals and all this loss in how she was a little bit slow to trust
1: Remet. Right.
0: Understandably, because she was also lying for part of the time. <laughs> I also love that part. This is a silly detail too, but where she was assuming it was a male because of... How stubborn oh, yeah. <laughs> it was being, and then like later realized it was a female. I don't know, I just thought that part was funny. But but yeah, I that was a fun character reveal. It felt certain aspects of it I didn't love. Like I didn't love that she could suddenly communicate with Darren mm-hmm. telepathically. telepathically yeah. But I did like anytime when she let Remett like in and like bond with her and then had abilities, like that part made sense to me. And that mm-hmm. was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, And I love the backstory of it being his queen and even just finding out that she had been like this poet warrior and she was just like an interesting character too to get backstory on and connect back because we had heard him allude to his queen before but we hadn't Mm -hmm. we didn't know much about her.
1: And I liked at the end that we learned that Remet's name means mercy and Leia was like so determined to kill the Nightbringer. And you know, she does kill him at the end, and it ends up being exactly what he wanted so he could like unleash his suffering on the world. But I like that her name means mercy. And at the end, she and Leia kind of band together to to heal the world because they say, like before the world can be remade, it has to be broken. And I just mm-hmm. i, I really thought it was beautiful how they said, you know, the whole root of this problem was, like, a human and a djinn came together and created this problem, and it's going to take a human and a djinn to solve this problem. And I just thought that was, like, a nice way to kind of wrap it up and and bring it all together.
0: Totally. Another small thing that I loved about her story is that at the end, when she can finally, like, go and do life how she wants to do it or whatever, she's becoming one of the... uh,
1: Honey and the, the honey Yeah, yeah.
0: the storytellers. Love and that. I think it's so cool especially when you bring in this idea of her being the one to tell the Nightbringer that she'll tell his story. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the first story she tells. Yeah. I that, love, love I
0: that. I love that symmetry. And I love that.
1: The whole idea
0: of stories being powerful and how with multiple people, you know, they were, again, maybe a little repetitive, but it was like with the Nightbringer and with the Commandant, it was like you need to understand her, you need or them, you need to get their story, their origin. Mm-hmm. No one is purely evil. There's reasons that they've ended up that way. And, like, you can discover their weaknesses by seeing what's happened to them and stuff. And I, I did love that idea of stories throughout the book, and especially for her perspective.
1: I agree. Um, Do you want to move on to Elias? Yes, I knew you'd save Helena for last. (laughs) I always do. (laughs) The best for last. Okay. Uh, Elias bored me in this book. (laughs) Yes. Well, he didn't
0: bore me. His what's his other name? Soulcatcher bored me. Because there was so much where Elias wasn't even really there. It was just (laughs) the Soulcatcher guy who has no emotion. And that was kind of the point of him. I get that, but... (laughs) It got
1: old. <laughs> <laughs> it did. And, and I did like that he changed his name was not Elias in the books. It was Soulcatcher, like the chapter titles, yep. which felt fitting. Um, I just thought it was kind of predictable that, you know, the whole thing was like, no, you have to withhold your emotions and you can't show passion and you can't have love. And then at the end, it was like, oh, actually, love is the only way you're going to solve this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really did like his interaction with Kane. So when Cain too. returns mm-hmm. and he basically asks Elias to kill him before the djinn can hear his prophecy and like use it. And he like magically gives Elias his memories back. So it was a good way to like have that plot device happen of how does Elias get his memories back. Mm-hmm. But then the back and forth of like kind of becoming human and then regressing again, then becoming a little more human was a, it was a little tiresome.
0: I agree. And I did like, because he didn't have emotion to get him back in the story. I like the idea that it was somewhat related to his duty. Like mm-hmm. I didn't mind when he went out and was like, oh, I don't care about the humans. I just care about the ghosts and like how, but there was still that alignment there. I like that. I just didn't like, it was almost the Leia part of it all where it was like one step forward, three steps back yep. over and over and over again. That like something about that got tiresome to me, but it was an interesting perspective to see how he was going. Cause he was like, I don't really care about your war. I don't I don't really care about your Nightbringer thing. I just care about these souls and these ghosts. And how that perspective he was able, like came around and connected back with everything else. I did Mm -hmm. appreciate again, just
1: the way all the uh, individual threads came together. I really respect. It was some parts were really funny though. Like when Leia is about to get kidnapped and he just literally walks away. (laughs) Like he just walks away and leaves her. Like I was um, amazed by Leia's patience for him. I guess I will say in this book. Yes. Like she gave him a lot of grace.
0: Again, I liked him, like his real person. I almost wish we had seen, although this probably would have gotten old too, but what he was thinking hidden deep within the Soul Catcher more or something because Mm -hmm. I, I thought he was interesting and complicated. Like in the first book, the fact that he had been raised in this, world this like brutal terrible world and didn't want to become this brutal terrible person that they were building him into he didn't want to be this weapon but he kept having to like make these hard choices for the people that he like I felt like he was so interesting and complicated in books one and two Mm -hmm. and then I just feel like we lost a lot of that in the second half of the series for him
1: I totally agree
0: yeah. And that was a little disappointing to me because I think that complication, and we saw some of it through Leia and Helena growing mm-hmm. and changing too, I guess, but he was kind of that original one who had this like tension of both sides at the beginning where he really like identified with so many people and so many, I don't know.
1: Yeah. And I guess I, I did like through Elias, we learn more about uh, his grandmother because we see... K- in the waiting place and i really liked that he was able to kind of get that connection with his maternal grandmother and like learn more about the commandant through her Mm -hmm. and that was like well planned because like we we saw her as this like wandering ghost really early on in the series and then it came back and like looking for her lovey looking for her lovey yeah and it (laughs) was her daughter and that was karis yeah yeah i liked seeing that play out
0: that was cool okay question about that though mm-hmm. because then when karis is ultimately murdered and sees her mom again her mom initially responds with something like you know you're not her
1: yeah she like rejects her and is that just
0: because she's grown and changed and gotten so hard is that the implication there that like she's not the same little girl anymore i think so. at the, at the beginning because then when she ultimately passes she's a child or you know yeah, she goes back to, reverts back to her child-like self and then is, like, holding her mom's hand and stuff. So I guess they eventually made peace. But yeah. I was, like, kind of thrown off by that initial interaction because it felt yeah. different that this mom has been waiting 30 years for her daughter. Right. It's sort of, that rejection, like, stung For sure. Me, even though I didn't care that much. I mean, you know, I always But I
1: think it had to happen because, like, it would have felt bad if Karis had gotten this wonderful end, you know, where she, like immediately reconnect didn't suffer her first or, suffer. Like, yeah, peace. yeah. Like, she no, that's fair. she needed to pay for what she did so and they and they do mention that like in the waiting place there's like a period of suffering and it lasts for how long however you know much evil you created in the world so I imagine she was there for quite some time yeah and then eventually was able to pass over
0: and I like that that was Mira's first big one because mm-hmm. Mira ultimately like Again, faked her death from her daughter the second time in <laughs> yeah. order to get revenge on Karis, and ultimately does succeed. Yeah, and sacrifices a bunch of stuff in the process. But I feel like it was healing for both of, in in different ways. They were both terrible mothers in some ways, you know. Yeah, and maybe to different extents as well, obviously. But for sure, I like that they kind of helped each other
1: mm-hmm.
0: forgive and move forward, and
1: it felt fitting. All of that. Yeah. Can we talk about Helena now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I, every time I finish a book, I think to myself, this poor woman's situation cannot get any worse. And then
0: it always She does. really, she really got the short end of the stick all the way around.
1: What does Sabah Tahir have against Helena?
0: I don't know, but I also love it because she, in yeah. some ways that makes me like respect her so much because she overcomes so much more than anyone else.
1: Yeah, she does.
0: I mean... Oh, watching her sister get Mm. murdered, her last sister, watching Harper. Harper. I'm so glad that they had had their moment before. I mean, I'm sure she's still, I think it even said it in the book, there's obviously I think she regrets not doing things sooner or whatever, but I'm glad that they had a couple of good, like a period where they were together for real without, I don't know, if it had just almost happened and hadn't quite happened by the Mm -hmm. end of the book, it would have been even worse.
1: Yeah. I think what bothers me so much is that Helena is not someone who loves easily or who gives her love easily. Like, every time yeah. she opens herself up to someone, it's really challenging for her. And so the fact that she is was willing to do it twice and then both times had it taken away, like, mm-hmm. it's just heartbreaking because it's like you want someone who, who finds it hard to open up, you want them to open up and then find this perfect, joyous Get happiness. Get rewarded for re- it. Yeah. yeah. So that was really hard to watch. And I, and I also kind of didn't like that they threw her with to, with Musa at the end. Like, that felt a little bit forced. Like, I, I get that we wanted, to, we wanted the takeaway to be that she wasn't this hardened person. Like, she was going to live for the Empire, but she also had the capacity to have friends and to feel love. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like it was too soon, and...
0: Well, so do you think that they were, like, coupling up at the end? I thought they were just, like, understanding each other's pain and, like, being there for each other.
1: I think that... They were, yes, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean,
0: there definitely is groundwork there that potentially could imply more. But I took, I liked it from the point of view of because he's the maybe not to the exact same extent of Helena, but he also is one of the few characters in the book that we know a little bit better who's has nothing left. Because mm-hmm. even though Leia says it, I mean, she's with Elias and that's, and, and her mom's still around technically. And like, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying her life is great. She did suffer a lot, but Helena and Musa are like the two who, I sort of liked it from a, not that they're going to get together or that they're like finding love or com- like that level, like that it's replacing their previous people. But just from a like understanding, we can still find some joy in the world. Someone else knows my pain and sees it perspective.
1: Yeah. I just wish it had been with someone else because when it's with an a, another man, that's fair. The implication's still there. Like I feel like she could have had that with Taz or with her nephew or with Su- Leia. I don't know. They were friends at the ends. Like that's I don't fair. know if it had to be like a romantic love, but yeah.
0: And I, I don't want them to become a rope. Like I, I know we don't know what happens next, but I agree. <laughs> I don't. I don't want her to move on that quickly romantically. <laughs>
1: no, but I mean, I feel like Helena's the character that I identify most with and whose character i understand most in this book just because like she is so strong and so capable but she's also just like so vulnerable and human sometimes like Mm -hmm. i loved the part when she was like trying to seduce harper in the baths and she came in wearing her armor yeah and couldn't get it it off Like, little moments like that really brought her character to life. I thought her, her character was just so well done.
0: And I love seeing her with her sister. I love sibling relationships. I also love Darren and Leia, but... You know, in books, at least book one, and partially in book two, we didn't really see her with her family. Like, we kind of mm-hmm. knew that she liked her family. And then, you know, further on, but, like, what her sister was such a nice counteraction to some of her harder parts, too. And it was yeah. just, like, I loved, and then that's why I was so, that was one of the deaths that I took the hardest was Livia's death. Oh,
1: yeah, that was really heartbreaking. And just the way it happened and how oh. she was so determined to save them, you know, like, mm-hmm. That was her main goal in this book was to keep Livy alive and protect her son. and the fact that it just happened like right under her nose too. Uh...
0: But I love her growth as well and how she still was true to her. Like still this idea of being loyal to the end ultimately mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. carries her through the whole time. But how that the view of that changes so much in terms of, you know, she, she wasn't always like a horrible, horrible person. But she didn't understand like Elias's like acceptance of scholar. You know, like she still had like a lot of prejudice and whatnot yeah. at the beginning of the book. And watching her become someone who all these different people were willing to support as emperor or empress or whatever, Invictus and whatever the title ended up being. But um, I don't know something about her love for the people despite everything she's been through was Mm -hmm. like really really well done
1: I agree and I love I also liked that um yeah like love is so different for her like even I love how she she can't even say I love you Mm -hmm. her word for I love you is may death claim me first which is like such a more such a a deeper way to say I love you like
0: and even though she keeps saying it even
1: that it's just death claims everyone else in her life first poor girl (laughs) she just has one wish (laughs) I also really liked the beginning where the jinn. Remember when like the jinn were shouting at them, and the one jinn said that Helena had a darkness, and he predicted that Helena would kill her nephew and take his throne. That's like the darkest darkness that mm-hmm. lived in her, and she was like so horrified by that idea. And I'm glad that didn't really happen. I mean, she was named like regent or whatever, but it was just to, like protect the throne until her nephew comes of age. But I liked. That little bit of, like, this is what dark Helena could be. Yep. I thought that was just really kind of cool to keep in mind. Like, yeah, she fought against that and it didn't come true. But, like, that's, like, the twisted dark side that could have (laughs) been.
0: And I do love, like, that's kind of a theme throughout this whole book, too, is... I mean, the difference between what the Nightbringer went through and what any of our main characters went through and what the Commandant went through isn't really all that different. It's just how they responded to it, right? Like you could become your worst self Mm -hmm. or you could and not that this is in any way easy, but like, keep hoping and keep trying and like loving what's left. And you know, like just putting your best foot forward kind of idea. And it's never been an easy choice for anyone. But it it was such a nice parallel when they like finally laid some of that out to be like, yeah, I mean, who who else has lost everyone to them? Helena, hello, Mm -hmm. but look at her, she's being a leader and bringing people together instead of you know blaming and killing and even though that's how she was raised
1: yeah and well not even that like she was yeah she was raised with these prejudices to like yeah accept slavery as part of their life and not anything to worry about and then at the end like when she becomes emperor she makes changes that she knows is gonna piss people off and she was like yeah but we are freeing the scholars like this won't happen anymore so like to see that growth in the face of like such tragedy is is really cool yeah (sighs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: my heart still breaks for her
1: and I feel like the, Emperor, the Empire is going to be like a great place under her I mean like Dex becomes commander they start accepting female students at Blackcliffe like it's all headed in the right direction
0: Mm -hmm. I appreciated that too I always feel like a little bit mixed about when we spend all this time trying to change the world and then we don't have like a plan in place but I actually feel like this book did it like yes we ultimately saw this final battle but like we sort of saw these changes happening at various points so it didn't feel Mm -hmm. like oh and now this battle's over and everything's perfect without explanation because we'd already seen some of these alliances starting to form like I felt like the pacing made sense for the world to be rebuilt and broken instead of just yep i don't know sometimes there's like this gap i feel like where it's like but they all lived happily ever after but you're like but how did they fix the world yeah
1: um did you do any research this week
0: so yes but i don't (laughs) i didn't quite get what i wanted so let me tell you what i intended to discover Which was, again, I loved that the role of stories throughout this book in general and the role of the storyteller throughout this book and Leia's stuff at the end. So I wanted to know more about, because she like goes through training Mm -hmm. and they talk about, uh, they keep referencing how like certain stories could like, people were like refusing to share stories. Like there was just like all this stuff around who even knows the stories or the information and how it's passed along and what you have to, I don't know. So I wanted to know more about in like, ancient times how did one become the oral storyteller or like what Mm -hmm. training did you have to go through or like i didn't i didn't figure that out
1: well i researched storytelling as well
0: okay well did you (laughs) figure out
1: storytelling okay i researched just how stories were told in general from, like, the very beginning until modern day.
0: Okay, so maybe we can just both talk about our okay. research, because you are <laughs> you probably did more than me, to be completely honest. I really, I just wanted, like, a how-to guide to be an oral storyteller, Then I was going to quit my job and become an oral storyteller, just like the olden days.
1: Just like a troubadour? Isn't that, like, what <laughs> minstrels did?
0: Yeah, like a bard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, actually, this is mostly irrelevant, but I, before COVID hit, last year, part of my writing goal was around storytelling, and I... Entered two oral storytelling events, like in January and February of last year. Did I ever tell you about this? I I did. Yeah,
1: you you sent me one.
0: Okay, you yeah. sent me like
1: the video of one.
0: So I did one where like in the we got a prompt at the beginning of the day and then like wrote a story and then read it out loud at a bar like to a live audience that night. And then I did another one where we put our names in a hat and we didn't we didn't bring paper up with us. We just had a mic and got to tell a story around a topic and. That one got rated by the audience and I got oh. the second highest score. So Whoa. I'm pretty proud of that.
1: You should be. But yeah, okay.
0: So original storytelling began with like visual and oral storytelling, right? We didn't have writing. We didn't have books. We didn't have mm-hmm. movies and whatnot.
1: We were sitting around a campfire.
0: Yeah. So the oldest thing I heard about was 30,000 BC.
1: Yep. Chanting.
0: Ooh, no, I didn't actually hear about the chanting. I oh. read, read about cave paintings.
1: Okay, so I went a little bit before that and they basically said that oral storytelling started out probably as simple chants that people would sing while working. Hmm. And then the idea of like storytelling started by um, people creating myths and legends to like explain natural events.
0: Yeah. And isn't that like so interesting? Like it's so fascinating to think like before we had a lot of these other aspects that we think of as like modern civilization stuff, like stories have been around like a way to communicate and like explain mm-hmm. and
1: we had our voices, that's it. Share
0: information and even the idea of like singing, chanting or singing, like sing putting it. it, like it's so fascinating to me. I love that that's like such an essential human
1: yeah. thing. Basically. And it's so powerful. I think that's what i like about it too is just like the power of storytelling and the power of words i think about it a lot i don't know
0: <laughs> so tell me about yeah. the cave paintings so in the mountains of southern france there are these like really cool cave paintings that date back to 30,000 bc
1: the chauvet the chauvet cave yeah mm-hmm.
0: the chauvet cave and they didn't they didn't have written well, language i
1: read that they told this The story of a volcanic eruption, which I thought was cool. Ooh,
0: I didn't even read that part. I read about, like, it, like, talked about different animals at the time. So, like, there were Mm -hmm. mammoths and lions and rhinos that they encountered, and it talked about everyday activities as well, like, how to use the different parts of an animal to survive and how, like, homemade weapons and rituals how you can make weapons and stuff yeah
1: rituals and like hunting were communicated
0: which is so interesting mm-hmm. like because that really is going back to like that education aspect too of like how do you take the knowledge i have and like pass it on
1: to, yeah how do you record it yeah for other people yeah it's it's so fascinating and then did you get to uh hieroglyphics
0: i didn't read a ton about hieroglyphics okay. so tell me more
1: oh i didn't either i just that was like other important visual storytelling yeah and then the chinese writing the langzu markings we i did this research in another episode it was like the earliest example of chinese writing that was found on animal bones on like the oracle animal bones i forgot about that yeah that was just during the shang dynasty and that's like one of the earliest recordings of writing
0: And then I went more to the oral storytellers and was reading more about like Aesop and Homer. And again, it's just Mm -hmm. fascinating to think like Aesop's fables are things I grew up with. And he was like a guy, I don't know, a bajillion years ago. That's an exact (laughs) number. Um, (laughs) That like, like, it's it's just fascinating to me. And this is why I wanted to like learn, how did you become one? Like, I feel like that would be the coolest job in ancient civilization would be to like go around telling people stories like, the tortoise and the hare and stuff and people like lining up and like quitting their job to like come gather around yeah. and hear me tell the story
1: have you read the king killer chronicles
0: is that um man of fear whatever what, what are those what are they called is, or is that just what they're called
1: oh it's just a series by patrick rothfuss
0: yeah what's the first or what's the what are the actual books called
1: oh the man first one is called the, of, the first oh. called the name of the first one's called the name of the winds okay but you should read it Because it's it talks a lot about storytelling and just the idea of like these long epic poems that people had to memorize and like they weren't written down and you just had to carry them in your brain. And just the idea of like how they can be tweaked by who's telling the story, I think is so fascinating and I just don't know how people did that.
0: Oh my goodness. I'm just actually imagining if this were my job and how bad I'd be at it because I can't (laughs) even remember like characters' names. (laughs) that I've been reading all week, like, five minutes afterwards when we're recording. Like, I'd be the worst actual bard, but if I was good at it, it would be the coolest job. But Kingkiller Chronicles, I'm pretty sure, because I have two of them, but the third one hasn't come out yet, or maybe I right. missed it. No, it but, hasn't. So that's why I haven't read it, because... Okay. But they're, they're big, aren't they?
1: Yeah. They're epic. I've heard really good things. Okay, maybe I'll have to just dive in at some point. Did you learn anything else about, like, troubadours and bards and stuff? Um... Not a whole lot that was super interesting, to be completely honest. It's
0: it's Part of it's because I couldn't focus, because I just kept, I was like, this isn't what I'm looking for, and I kept mm-hmm. looking up different things. I mean, the, and this probably isn't shocking, but literally, again, every culture has, like, a storytelling tradition, whether we're talking yeah. about Native American tribes, the Hawaiian islands, like, villages in
1: Africa. Greek oral tradition, yeah.
0: Yeah, the Jewish, like, satyrs, the mm-hmm. Passover satyrs, like a jewish oral tradition that's been around for forever again like a lot of cultures also incorporate song or whatever irish storytelling and like i don't know just like every single group of people no matter where they are has found some way to like use stories and i just love that elemental human connection piece but i don't really have a lot of great facts to share what else did you learn
1: um well i i focused mostly on like how that transformed into written records of stories okay So I think a lot of people know, but like the earliest printed story was the Epic of Gilgamesh, which was an epic poem that was probably recorded around... 2000 3000 2000 bc um and it was written in sumerian cuneiform and it was found in like you know mesopotamia which is they say it's like the cradle of civilization or whatever yeah but i think it's also interesting that like it was also happening in the east like in china and stuff around that period too i think like I don't know. I feel like people focus so much on, like, the Western world or, um, you know, the Mediterranean area, but I always try to remember that, like, that was happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just unique to one area. And then the the first example of using stories for persuasive goals happened around, like, Ooh. 200 B.C., and that's mainly uh, with the Bible, so, like, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then... Isn't that
0: interesting to think about? Also, from like a Christianity has been around for so long, but how much of that do you think is also impacted by the fact that like we had the printing press and could like widely distribute the Bible versus
1: hugely some
0: other religions that were around before that and did not have that advantage. Like it, it's interesting mm-hmm. to think about like how powerful things like that can be. And oh
1: my gosh, of course, and know. it's especially because the printing press was not unique to Europe. Uh, the Chinese had movable type technology long before. So in China during the Song Dynasty they printed paper books that uh, used movable type made of porcelain. The only issue was it was in Europe that the printing press became mechanized. Hmm. Uh, and so it, they started using mechanical movable type. Mass
0: production. That allows for mass production. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So like Gutenberg made it a mass produced thing and that really changed how stories were printed and distributed. So cool. So then I researched a little bit about, like, the first news bulletins. Hmm. So not just persuasive texts, but just to communicate basic information, like, in the city you're living in. Um, so in ancient Rome, uh, government's bulletins were produced. They were carved in metal or stone and posted around public places.
0: So were they words or pictures? Because did people read or could people read?
1: I believe... They were, yes, they, I don't think they were pictures. I think they were words. Because uh, this happened around, well, in ancient Rome. So yeah, they were words. And in China, they had, the government produced news sheets called uh, Dibao. And they were circulated uh, during the Han Dynasty between 700 and, like in 700 AD. Um, and they were handwritten on silk. And they were um, like read by government officials. You know what this is reminding me of, even though this is not the same thing you're talking about at all? But
0: <laughs> it was interesting how they used drums to communicate in the book. Yeah. And I yeah, I don't know. That's just what I wanted to say about that.
1: I mean, yeah, absolutely. Getting information
0: out to the public is like a such an interesting challenge when you think about it.
1: Oh, it absolutely because is. Because information
0: is power. Yep. And yeah.
1: So in early modern Europe, there was an increase in um, just people crossing borders in general, so they needed more information to be released. And so in 1556, the government of Venice first published the monthly, it was a written notizie scritte, which means like written notice, uh, which is uh, basically handwritten newsletters that were distributed to convey like political, military, economic news, in like as quickly and efficiently as possible. So mm. it was kind of similar to a newspaper, but they're not, they weren't really intended for like general public. They were just restricted to like a certain set of topics that they needed to get out to certain people. Gotcha. You
0: had to subscribe. Exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, the first newspaper was, well, it's recognized as a German newspaper, that it was printed by Johann Carolus in Strasbourg. And that's recognized as the first newspaper. And that was published in 1605 cool
0: so yeah what do you think is next we've like I don't know in our lifetime we've gotten like podcasts as a storytelling form we've got like digital you know like kindles and stuff what do you think is like on the horizon for the next wave of storytelling technology
1: well I think it's I think it's kind of interesting how we've kind of made a full circle. Like, hear me out, this drawings. is kind of weird, but like, like <laughs> cave drawings where you use pigment to create a picture and you just use pictures to tell a story. I mean, think about memes. What are memes? I was going to say, are, e- or
0: emojis. Like, now we yeah. kind of... Yeah.
1: It's just so interesting how, like, the past becomes present and we take old things and make them new. So I think that is pretty interesting i think the advent of like the podcast kind of continuing the idea of oral storytelling and listening is important and also like yeah harks back to like ancient oral tradition of telling stories so uh, i'm trying uh, what's what's next i don't know i'm not i don't know if i'm like visionary enough to, know, to i'm not either next. to be honest
0: it is fun to think about you're right we have kind of circled back drums the- maybe drums. drums let's do it <laughs> Oh my goodness, I have terrible sense of rhythm. I'm really, uh, the more we do this podcast, the more things I realize I am not good at. <laughs> Any, I mean, again, I think a lot of authors also love stories because that's obviously the career they've chosen. And they know people reading them probably also like stories, so they're speaking to the right people. But I love when books incorporate the idea of like the power of words and story yeah. and, you know, all of that. So it that was one of my favorite things. Yep.
1: Okay, we need to do a few things for this series before we move on. We need to come up with a fan name and we need to assign a rating. Okay. (laughs) So
0: I did find a list from what year was this? From 2015 of potential fan names that Penguin Teen was asking for. Would you like me to list them off for you and we can pick our favorite? Sure. Okay, so we have Sabas and Embers. (laughs) We have Ashers.
1: I don't like that, no.
0: We have Tahir's Legionnaires. No. Which,
1: I don't even get that. Was Legionnaires a thing in this book? Specifically? I think that's like what
0: the... I don't want to be
1: anything associated with Blackcliffe or like the Marshals. Yeah. And
0: to be fair, this quiz came out after the first book, so not the whole series. But Saba's Resistance, mm. The Masks,
1: <laughs> no.
0: Commander's Minions, no, Emberlines or Ashleens.
1: Well, I don't like any of these.
0: <laughs> I don't really either. Okay, so what would we be? Especially now we have all four books out there, so there's been a lot more
1: um, options.
0: Is there something about the people who have the darkness in them, or something about?
1: I was gonna say aspirants. Wasn't that something?
0: Was that what Elias and Helena were when they were like competing to be emperor? Mm-hmm. It's a cool word. I'll give you that.
1: Yeah, maybe it's too martially. I, I don't want to be like... Kahani because I feel like that's appropriating something that's not ours. Yeah should just be
0: plebeians (laughs) i mean that's that's probably the most accurate description of what we are
1: what if we ghosts (laughs) i mean we could be soul catchers but that was my least favorite emotionless whatever we could be storytellers
0: i feel like i want to be like the people in the crowd though Mm,
1: i want people to tell me (laughs)
0: stories yeah (laughs) but that's not a good name
1: Oh, this is a tricky one. Okay, we have embers, we have torches, we have skies against storms. Oh, do you want to be rebels? No. Maybe. Reapers. No. I was thinking of reapers. Reapers, I think. I don't want to be a reaper. What about, um, uh, I don't know. Nightbringers.
0: Gens. <laughs>
1: Fivers.
0: Can we can we just, like, do something with Helen's, Helena's name? Oh, or just, like,
1: yeah. Let's just Can be... we just be Team
0: Helena and just
1: call it that? <laughs> Let's just be loyal to the end. <laughs> okay. I like it. Okay. <laughs> <sighs>
0: that okay. was one of our hardest ones for some even with a list. Maybe Usually the problem was the list. Maybe yeah. if we if I hadn't primed myself with that, we would
1: have done it. Better. Put bad thoughts into our heads. <laughs> okay, how about a rating? Okay, how
0: many uh, I
1: yeah, I was trying how, to think of, how, how many lifetimes s- would you sufferings? serve as- <laughs> Of sufferings, um, out of how
0: many souls would you reap out of 10 for this
1: book? Hmm. I'm gonna give it a seven.
0: Oh, I mean, for the series. Seven is that wait, was that your answer for the series? I think I may go as high as eight because I really feel like it had everything that I wanted it to have except for that missing element. Like,
1: the je ne sais quoi,
0: I would recommend it in so many situations. I liked so much about it, and I feel like a lot of the pieces were there, and I would totally read something else by her, and I me enjoyed so. reading it. But to get a it in a 9 or a 10, it would need that something else that I can't quite describe. I think that's fair. Cool. Should we uh, let them finally live in peace and move on to our next book?
1: Yeah, I feel like it's going to take me a while to get over this series, though, just <laughs> to come down from it. Yeah, we need to
0: take a long winter nap, <laughs> yeah. breathe a little bit.
1: Um, but I'm really excited about the next book series we're going to read so we're going to read the skybound series by alex london the first book is called black wings beating
0: i really don't know much about the series but i am also excited and i did get the books and even the cover i'm just like i want to hear more i didn't even read the back yet so
1: well i'm excited for a couple reasons um i read alex london's first series proxy and i just i feel like we don't read a lot of male authors
0: we don't read enough that's true
1: so i thought that was kind of nice from that perspective.
0: did we read any last season i don't think we did
1: yeah we read um the Nevernight was that series last season Jason Steph, i believe so
0: i feel like that's been even long i can't even remember what happened this year last year whatever
1: <laughs> it's <Yeah>. a blur <laughs> do you want me to read a synopsis about black wings beating yes
0: please and this is a trilogy right or how many are in this series i think it's a trilogy
1: uh yes it is a trilogy and you're right we did not read nevernight last year that was two years ago oh my gosh okay <laughs> anyway <clears throat> okay the people of Utsar have long looked to the sky with hope and wonder nothing in their world is more revered than the birds of prey and no one more honored than the falconers who call them to their fists hmm. bryson strives to be a great falconer while his twin sister kylie rejects her ancient gifts for the sport and wishes to be free of falconry she's nearly made it out too but a war is rolling towards their home in the six villages and no bird or falconer will be safe together the twins must journey into the treacherous mountains to trap the ghost eagle the greatest of the utsari birds and a solitary killer Brayson goes for the boy he loves and the glory he's long craved and kylie to atone for her past and to protect her brother's future but both are hunted by those who seek one thing power
0: Hmm i'm into it
1: yeah me too i love
0: sibling relationships so i like that it's two siblings as the primary
1: twins i love stories about twins
0: specifically twins i like all sibling stories i think
1: i don't like the names bryson and kylie i'm not crazy about i don't like when books well actually i have no idea this book may be in like the future or a different world but like i don't like when characters have modern sounding names it's just like a weird thing that i don't like
0: interesting it's not bothering me but now i'm thinking about it a lot and i may feel differently next week i'll let you know or in two weeks
1: i'm sorry if i influenced you
0: <laughs> now i'm just gonna think about it because i really like the letter y so i like that they both mm. have y's in their names but i i don't know that i actually like the names we'll see okay it might depend on how much i like them or how i feel <laughs> like it flows with the rest of the world to your point yeah, yeah falconry feels old old timey kind of right well, it, it
1: sounds like a second world fantasy too, but maybe that's it. Maybe I don't like names that sound modern that are in like a second world fantasy. It's a weird quirk. I can't explain it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't
0: really get it either, guys. She's just weird. No, just
1: kidding. <sighs> cool. Well, I'm
0: excited. We'll read this first book for our next session. Episode. That's, that's the word. Episode. That, there we go. Talking's hard.
1: Um, is it your turn to tell a joke or is it mine?
0: I think it might be mine. Okay, go ahead. My dad told this one at dinner this week. Okay. Did you hear about the guy that fell into the well?
1: He didn't see that well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that one. (laughs) Uh,
0: My dad's just delivery was so great. And he's a new grandpa. So he's Mm. my nephew. Can't even he's still very, very young, so he's not actually laughing at my dad or reacting to his jokes, but my dad's so excited to have, like, a new audience member to do all of his dad oh, jokes on.
1: He's brushing up on them.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was all I had for you. I should have kept my, uh didn't I have, like, a huge list a couple yeah, weeks ago? Yeah, of your ghost jokes. Oh. Do you want me to find one of those
1: for you it's okay. also?
0: You don't have to. Okay. I'll, I'll try and remember that next time. I only have one joke just as a backup. But, but I'm yeah. getting
1: good at guessing them now. I know. <laughs> I've only had four years of practice. I was going to say, do you
0: think we've just gotten better because we like think about it
1: differently now or
0: something? Yeah.
1: Or? I can see all the twists coming.
0: We're like expert dad joke people now.
1: <laughs> I mean, that was the whole goal of the podcast, really.
0: <laughs> Not to talk about books or like no. talk to each other or anything it was just to get good at predicting dad an important skill
1: well if anyone wants to get in touch with us if they have a better fan name for us please let us know uh and you can do so by emailing us at mnktalkya at gmail.com
0: we're also on facebook and instagram and mnktalkya and if you know how to become a professional bard i need instructions please tell me
1: i feel like that's just a stand-up comic now that i'm thinking about it
0: okay well perfect because i want to do that too
1: so done
0: <laughs> there are
1: classes you can take for that i think
0: I, I think i actually have taken a few when i lived near second city so
1: you're on your way
0: oh man wish me luck everybody i'll just tell all the dad jokes on stage I'm just kidding <laughs> okay anything else is that it is
1: that we're it? good bye bookworms go get a library card